You're listening to audio from Plank Row Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankrowharvest.org. Happy Father's Day. Uh, I'm just, uh, I'm not nervous, but I'm just excited to be here. And this is, uh, it's just, it's such a good, good time. Uh, thank you everybody for all your help. Mark and uh, Brother Terry and Emily. Uh, Emily texted me last night. She said, what do you want me to sing? I said, anything. Anything's good. As long as it's talking about Jesus, it's good, right? Uh the, the father in the home is, is, in God's plan, is the leader. And what I think the most important thing we need to realize is that you don't parent alone. And if you do, it's, it's really, really hard. You know, there's a lot of uh, children growing up in these one-parent homes, and it's just very difficult. I don't care if it's the woman leading the home or the man, because I see them both in school. Uh, it's very difficult. That's not the way God intended it to be, so it, it's very hard. My wife had to do it several times while I was on deployment. I was having a good time traveling all over the world, and she's with three kids. You know, it's, it's, it's rough. It's rough. Uh, I'm going to give you some statistics, but we're going to mainly be talking uh, about the the father and the story of the prodigal son. But uh, uh, here's some statistics. Uh, 85% of inmates grew up without a father. The chance of living in, in poverty increases if you grew up without a father. Girls are seven times more likely to become pregnant and continue the cycle when they grow up without a father. The chances of behavioral problems, not only in school, but with the law, increase without the presence of a father you're more likely to be in jail if you grew up without a father. Uh, the chances of drug and alcohol use increase. You're more likely to suffer abuse in a home without a father. The dropout rate for students without a father is higher than the, the other students. There's a greater chance of health problems in homes without a father. And 90%, this, this one really uh, blew me away, 90% of the homeless had no father, have no father, or had no father. So fathers are important. And uh, Mark mentioned something earlier, uh, and Emily did also. We have a father, and our father is our heavenly father. Even if we don't have a father, earthly father now, or never knew him, our heavenly father is is still with us and always was with us. We just don't acknowledge him sometimes. Uh, the two places that I want to talk about fathers are in Job, and I'll read that to you, and you'll have to trust me. But it's in Job 1, chapter 1, verse 5. And like I said, the other part is that we're going to focus on the father and the prodigal son. In Job chapter 1, it says, Early, Job would sacrifice a burnt offering for them. And he would say to himself, Perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And I know this is uh, close to most of us because 
our children may be grown, but in our, in our heart, they're still our children, and we're always praying for our children. We're always uh, seeking their welfare and their good and their protection and everything else. And so we're no different than Job, and God gives us that example in, in, in the book of Job. When I worked in hospice, I used to speak with a lot of people that were in hospice care, and most of them, well, I never heard one person say that they wished they had worked one more day, that they had been at work one more day, uh, being successful, getting all these bonuses. But to a person, everyone always said they, had, they wished they had been a better father or a better mother or spent more time with their children. And to me, that was a very telling thing because family, and this is what I feel in this church, we're a, we're a little family, and, and it's beautiful. Like Emily said, there, there's just something special here. You can't buy that. You can't uh, go to the store and say, I want uh, $20 worth of feeling good because somebody loves me and cares for me. You can't do that. Uh, Paul gives us some guidelines for father, for fathers. In Ephesians 5.25, he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And what did Christ do for the church? He died for the church. He says, and gave himself for the church. So fathers, you're supposed to die for your family, for your wife, if it comes to that. In Ephesians 6.4, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Train and instruct them in the Lord. Uh, I've not been so good at that one. Uh, in Colossians 3, it sort of echoes Ephesians. It says, Fathers, do not embitter your children. Nobody becomes a father with a training manual for these children. And we all know that every child is a little bit different. If you have two children, they may be twins, but... They're still different. They have different personalities, different needs, different likes, different dislikes. And the important thing that I learned in the military, one important thing I learned in the military is to treat every person as an individual. You can have rules that cover everybody, but each person deserves to be treated as an individual. Uh, so now, let's go to Luke 15 starting with verse 20. I'm going to read it out of the New International Version, so if it sounds a little different, just bear with me. Luke 15, verse 20. It's talking about the prodigal, the prodigal son here. In verse 19... It says the boy came to his senses and now he's going to go back to the father and he's thinking about all these things that he's going to say to the father and ask for forgiveness and he's got his plan all made up. You know, the boy repented. He got smart, right? So in verse 20 it says, He got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Remember, he did all kinds of things with the money the Father gave him. And at the end, he was working with swine, which is a big no-no. But the Father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe. Give him a change of clothes. Give him some rags that we got there. He said, bring him the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Sandals are very important, especially to me. He said, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He is lost. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. They're having a party now. And, uh, you know, the, the nice thing about God sometimes is God's not going to force you to do anything. If we want to be foolish, he, he lets us be foolish. And then we have to live with the consequences. And some of those consequences can be disease. It can be addictions. It can be living in poverty. And the worst one is breaking hearts. You know. But the son, he got smart. He repented and he returned. And one of the things he says is that even the slaves, my, bother, my father's slaves live better than I'm living. So I'm better off returning. And in Psalm 84.10, it says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I'd rather be the lowest of the low in my father's house, in God's house. I'd rather be the lowest of the low than dwell with the sinners. He remembered his father's love. Let's talk about some of the things the father does, right? We, we just read them. Uh, God allows us to get in trouble sometimes, and then that leads to repentance. And when we repent, we're finally back in God's graces. In verse 20, it says that the father was looking for the son. So, to me, the father, and I'm sure people that are very good preachers and learned men can tell you that this father that they're giving us an example of here, that Jesus gave us an example of, is really God the father. So he was looking for a son. God is looking for the sinner to repent. In 2 Peter 3.9, it says, God is long-suffering. Long-suffering. If there's one thing that I'm really bad at, is I'm very impatient. But it says, God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. And the important word there is any. He doesn't want any to perish. Nobody. Dale mentioned something once that uh, God is grieved when bad people die also. Uh, he mentioned that there was a war and people were happy that they had won. But he said, but really God was grieved because there was so many people that were killed in that battle that were unbelievers. And so they're doomed. And that grieved God. But God is long-suffering. 
the the father is filled with compassion and if you re remember jesus when jesus goes to see mary and martha and he knows lazarus is dead and he sees how heartbroken they are jesus wept and the father weeps like that i i would say for us because jesus wept jesus was brokenhearted that the men and the, the the women and the neighbors and the friends Lazarus's friends were all uh, brokenhearted that they were uh, missing Lazarus and even uh, Mary says if you had been here we know you would have saved him and we know right now he's in heaven with the Father and we're okay with that but we still love them and we miss him and we wish he was here and what what happens Jesus wept so he had compassion the Father has compassion. The Father sees what we're going through, and everything is going to work out, but it's in His timing. Okay? When I was 17 years old, I wrecked my mom's car, and my mom was in California visiting my, my aunt, her sister. And so that evening when she called to see if everything was all right, I said, let me talk to my uncle. And so she's like, what do you want to talk to your uncle for? And uh, so I talked to my uncle, I told him about it, and he broke it to my mom. And so the next day they arrived, it was a Friday afternoon, I had to go to work, so I was at work. And uh, she saw the condition of the car, and she, she thought, oh my goodness, he must have been hurt really badly. And uh, that evening when I got home from work, it's about 9, 10 o'clock in the evening, and uh, she's hugging me and looking at me and she's like you're okay i said yeah i'm all right you know nothing happened to me i just cracked the window with my head i got a hard head you know and she was just so happy that i was okay and my face hadn't been terribly deformed uh and she's just so happy so she showed me a little bit of compassion my mom was hardcore she she was just hardcore you know and that day, I saw a different side of her. Uh, but that was a, that's a story I, I laugh about now. I was scared to death then. Uh, it says that the father ran to the son. And I've heard several people, uh, like I said, much smarter than me, say that that's a very undignified thing for a, a man of his stature to do in public. A, a man with that stature it'd be like the president running to to somebody and hugging them it just doesn't happen you know but the father didn't care the father was so happy that the son was back that he risked everything uh, he rejected the scorn and the shame that society was gonna cast upon him because remember this son was a he, he was a rough kid, and the father still loved him. So the father restores the son. In Hebrews 12.2, it talks about Jesus. It says, for the joy set before him, Jesus, he endured the cross. The cross was something terrible. The cross was suffering and shame and all kinds of bad things. But Jesus didn't see that Jesus saw that because of that we were all going to have uh, salvation 
And that's the only thing that mattered to him. The Father restored fellowship with His Son. Jesus restored our fellowship with the Father by the cross, by the shame of the cross. <clears throat> in, uh, where am I? Okay, well, I'll, I'll get to that in, in a minute. In Deuteronomy, oh, there it is. In Deuteronomy 21, 23, it says that cursed is anyone hung on a tree. So Jesus took the curse of the cross to save us. That, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Because that's what we deserve, but he took it for us. Next, it says, the Father embraced the Son. The Father embraced the Son. Now, if we remember, the boy has been working with pigs. He probably smells like a pig. Uh, in that culture, you're not even supposed to be around, let alone touch and feed them and everything. So the boy was filthy. He returns to the father. And what does the father do? He embraces him. Uh, I don't know that sometimes when my kids were playing ball and they were filthy, I would have embraced them. I was like, go wash up first and then I'll give you a hug. But the father embraced him. The father didn't care. Didn't care what the boy had been into. The boy was back. So he embraces him. And he says, give him a robe. Not just a robe, but he said, give him the best robe. The robe imputed righteousness. The father's righteousness. And there's three samples Three examples in the, in, in, in the Bible that I found where a similar situation happens where people were given a robe that didn't say that they were righteous, but they were putting on somebody more powerful's righteousness on that uh, person. In Genesis 41-42, Pharaoh gives Joseph a robe and a ring, but the robe imputed the Pharaoh's righteousness. In Zechariah 3, 4, there's a priest named Joshua. And before, before the, the priest is allowed to come before God in the temple, God tells Zechariah, give him a robe. Because the people that were coming back from exile were still filthy. They were still full of sin. That's why God, they had gone into exile because they were sinful people. And God said, repent or else. And they got the or else. But now they're coming back and their sin is upon them. And so God, God tells Zechariah, give him a robe. And the new robe is going to impute my righteousness unto them. Unto, unto not only Joseph, but unto the, all of Israel. And then in Revelations 6.11, it says that the martyrs are crying out to God, Hey God, when are you going to finally uh, take care of these mean people that killed us? And God says, just wait. Time's not there yet. And he gives them a robe. And that robe is God's righteousness. So, this robe was very important. This robe that we're going to get is very important because we're not ourselves clean and pure, but the 
robe that the Father's going to give the, give us isn't going to is going to impute that righteousness that Jesus earned for us on the cross. Another thing the the Father gives to the boy is a ring, and think of the ring as a credit card. So now you got you got your dad's credit card here, and your dad's a rich guy, so. I want uh, a new chariot. There you go. Dad's going to pay for it. You know, so the ring, uh, Pharaoh gives Joseph a ring. The father gives the prodigal son a ring. And, and that, that, that tells him, hey, my whole kingdom is yours. And uh, I like telling students, my father owns cattle on a thousand hills. And they're like, your father's a farmer? Like, no, my father is God. Everything is his. And they're like, oh. Okay. Uh, and the last thing that, that he does, the father does, is he says, bring the fatted calf. I think he had, the moment that boy left, the father said, get a calf, start feeding it, because I'm expecting my son to come back sooner or later. And sure enough, this calf is nice and fat. It's probably one of those Kobe beef cows you know you know they massage it and feed it and give it a little bit of wine I don't know but bring the fatted calf that that was a spe not just any ordinary calf it's the fatted calf you know and in uh, Luke 15 7 so the father's gonna have a party right in Luke 15 7 it says there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner okay so the father threw a party for that one son. And in Luke 15.10, it says, Rejoicing in the presence of angels. There is rejoicing in the presence of angels, of the angels of God, over one sinner who repents. So even the angels get to join in on the party when one of us repents. So that's pretty good. There's a big party. You know, and I can't wait to get to the, to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's going to be... That's going to be pretty good. Uh, I don't know. They'll have something special there. They said the fruit, we have new fruit every month growing on those trees. And I, I don't think it's the kind of fruit that we're used to here. In James 2.13, uh, James tells us that mercy triumphs over judgment. You can't imagine what the son's reaction would have been if the first thing the father did was start lecturing him. Oh, you've been a bad boy. You've done this. You shouldn't have done that. You, what did you do with all your money? You've been working with pig? No. The father embraces him. The father loves on him. He shows him mercy. And guess what that mercy did? It, it, it brought the son in. And he knew, okay, I'm part of this family again. So, uh, fathers, mothers... Uh, children, everybody, show mercy. Uh, I love this quote, and I don't know that it applies, but I love this quote. It's in James 1.19. It says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Uh, strike one, strike two, and strike three. I failed at all three of those. But that's what I try to uh, go by, right? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
and I'm almost done here. So. <laughs> I was telling BJ earlier that I think Mother's Day and Father's Day should be done away with, and it should just be Family Day, because the 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 most beautiful thing God gave us is a family, whether it's your physical family or whether it's your spiritual family. It's it's just nothing touches the family, right? Uh, parenting works better as a team. Uh, when you have a baby, they're a lot of work. When they become toddlers, they're even more work. And when they're teenagers, uh, you, you lose your mind, right? Uh, Abraham Lincoln said in one of his famous speeches, a house divided cannot stand. And he gets it from Matthew 12, 27, where Ma uh, uh, Jesus is talking about, uh, they said, oh, you cast out demons because through Beelzebub. No, no, no. Uh, you can't have a house that's divided. Even the demons have to be on the same sheet of music. So why not us as parents, as, as a family? We're on the same sheet of music. You, you, two of you can't be pushing up and the other one pushing down. It doesn't work well. So a house divided cannot stand. Work together. Be a family. Uh, this is for Miss Jan Coy back there. Uh, God gives us beauty for ashes. So even when we blow it, God is so merciful, so kind, that He brings something beautiful out of it. And one of the things the Father said is, He was dead, but now He is alive. He was lost, but now the Son, His Son, the prodigal Son, us, were found. And that's, that's extraordinary of, the, of our Father God. And then we have the older son. Well, the older son is the good boy that never did anything wrong, but he has some faults, right? Uh, the father soothes the older son because the older son says, hey, I've been with you all this time. I've never done this. I've never done that. You haven't even given me a, a little goat to cook. And uh, the, father, the father, you know, tells him, you know, everything is yours. What do you want? everything is yours but that's a problem because the son was trying to earn his way into his father's heart and we can't earn our way into God's salvation uh, it's only through repentance that we get this the the salvation that God has for us the father's love is unconditional it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. His father, the Father's love is unconditional. Because the Bible tells us in Romans, there is none righteous, not one. So fathers, mothers, children, love like your heavenly Father. And uh, I, I, I forgot who said this, but I, I'm going to give it to you. Uh, I think my wife heard it on the radio or something probably James Dobson but he said the best gift a father can give his children is to love your wife
Lord, we're so thankful for this day. For this unmerited love that you give us daily. Lord, I pray that you fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your compassion and mercy. So we can be soft and light to this world. so that we can show the Father's love. Lord, I thank you for the sacrifice of my Savior Jesus on the cross. It wasn't a burden to him, Lord. It was a joy. And he went there for all of us. Just incredible to me, Lord. I pray for our church. I pray for our families. We can't be with all our children and families and fathers and mothers today. Lord, but I pray that you, that you bless them, that you keep them safe. Lord, and we pray for them like Job did. In case they're far from you, Lord, we pray for their salvation. Lord, we just thank you so much for your love. Lord, we, we can't understand it, but we thank you for it. I just thank you for this church, the love they've showed me and my family. And Lord, you know the needs of this church and the families that are here, Lord. And we just ask you, Father, to meet these needs. And we ask you these things in Jesus' name.